Welcome to the Life Central Podcast. It is so good to have you come and connect with us again this week. We trust that this session will be helpful to you in your faith journey. Maybe like me, you also find it crazy that it's very often the most significant relationships in our lives that we end up taking for granted. It's like we'll go out of our way to be respectful and polite to absolute strangers and then take out our frustrations out on our spouse or our kids. In reality, we know it's harmful, but it is so easy for us to step into these pitfalls that get us there. Now, today, as we just talk about marriage and relationship, I'd like to speak into essentially two pitfalls, uh, one helpful tool, and then a core value for us to adopt into our lives, to live our lives by, to ensure that we have marriages and relationships that are governed and directed by love. Now, the first pitfall that we're wanting to look into today is the pitfall of familiarity. In fact, familiarity is a killer. Isn't it true? You've probably heard the, 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 the saying, you've probably used the saying that familiarity breeds contempt. And how, and how true isn't that? Familiarity breeds contempt. How often don't we see beautiful relationships with like blossoming love and whatever other poetic language you want to wrap around that, um, where we see this kind of love overnight turn into hate? Why? Because familiarity breeds contempt. And even considering what familiarity means, that familiarity is this it's an extensive knowledge of or a close association with someone or something that leads to the loss of respect for them or it. To put it simply, it's when I start treating them like it. Very dangerous space for us to get to. Now, in all honesty, I, I listen to a lot of relationships. I listen to a lot of conversations between especially married people. Um, and sometimes as I listen to these relationships, I'm inspired. Like I, I listen to them and I, I think to myself, man, that is beautiful. Like the way that they just responded or the way they just engaged. Oh man, like that's the way it should be. Like that excites me about marriage and relationship. And, and I, I'll even see something in the way they do it or, or the way they engage. And I'm like, I want to implement that in my relationship. I want to implement that in my marriage. And then the other times where I engage with married couples and I'm like shredded to the core of who I am just because I think to myself, man, all I'm hearing is familiarity like as i'm as i'm seeing them engage with each other it's like there's this body language that is just 
irritable and there's this tone that is so critical and there are these word choices that are just so sharp. And I think for any of us hearing that right now, be honest, there's nothing worse than being in a relationship that is irritable and critical and sharp in word choice if you're on the other end of it. But at the same time, there's nothing worse than being in a relationship where you're the one doing it because it speaks into deeper issues. But yet, it's so easy for us to just slip into that space. Now, when we talk about about word choice, that really leads us into our second pitfall, being that, that words can become weapons. In fact, in many relationships, words are weapons. The truth be told, words can either be tools to build each other up with, or they can be weapons to just obliterate each other and break each other down. The crazy part is that it's my choice. I get to choose what I use my words for. That ultimately, I have the power to shape my relationship. I have the power to shape my spouse. I have the power to shape my home. All through my word choice, positive or negative. In fact, it was King Solomon who said that a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. I wonder, what's your home like? You and your spouse, with your kids, maybe you're not married and you're in a, you know, a long-standing relationship or a relationship that's getting more serious. Same applies. But in your home, I wonder, are your conversations a, a series of gentle answers that deflect anger? <laughs> or has your home become this war zone where words are weapons, these, these harsh words that, that just lead to a house full of flaring tempers. I can't help but in this moment, think back on one of my favorite movies, uh, Braveheart with Mel Gibson. And there's this epic scene in the movie where where William Wallace comes riding in on his horse with his painted face and, and he does his whole Aurora speech of Sons of Scotland and the whole deal. And when he's done with his speech, he comes and he meets with the, 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 the commanders of the Scottish army and he pretty much gives them a rundown of what's going to happen next. And when he's done with that, his friend Hamish looks at him and he says to him, where are you going? And Wallace looks at Hamish and he says to him, I'm going to pack a fight. And from there, he heads off to the meet with the commanders of Longshanks' armies, the, 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 the army of England. And as they're talking, the, the English commanders are, are trying to find some form of peace, uh, so-called peace. Wallace is not interested. In fact, every word that Wallace uses is 
so strategic, so purposeful. Why? Because he's there to pick a fight. He's not interested in peace. <laughs> he wants to see their destruction. What an absolute epic moment of cinematic history. And great for the movie Braveheart. But that would suck if that was your house, if that was your home, if that was your family. Like God help us that that, that doesn't depict the homes that we live in. That, that, that our word choice becomes so intentional to not protect, to not care for, to not, to not guard and, and, and love. But ultimately, to seek out arguments where our words become weapons. I wonder, when it comes to you and your home, when it comes to you and your spouse, do you fight against each other or do you fight for each other? My prayer is that you fight for each other. You see, if I could put it this way, when a plant dies, we don't blame the plant. <laughs> when a plant dies, we don't go, you know, that was a really bad plant. Like that plant, it just didn't crack it. Terrible plant. Or, or maybe in your mind, it's like, mm, it's a bad seed. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but, but we don't blame the plant. What do we do? We look at its environment. We, we, we stop and we pay attention to, hey, what, what was its soil like? <laughs> What was the air like? What was, what was its, its, its light like? Was it getting enough light, too much light? Like, like what was it in, its environment like? And the, the way that we speak to one another, guys and ladies, forms such a big part of the environment that we set in our homes. And our environments will create spaces that lead to growth or death. In fact, it was Solomon again who said to us, he said, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. In other translations, it says they will eat their fruit. What sort of fruit is being produced in your home right now, in your marriage right now? Is it the sort of fruit you want to deal with? Is it the sort of fruit that is pleasing to the eye, sweet to the taste buds, wholesome to the body, sort of fruit that brings health and vibrance? Or is it the sort of fruit that we'd actually much rather like a naughty kid at a dinner table, want to just shove in a pocket or a hanky so no one sees it, no one has to deal with it, and we just pretend like it's not there. What sort of fruit are our words producing in our relationships? There's a musical term that, that I often think of in these moments. The musical term is this, when in doubt, leave it out. When in doubt, leave it out. When a band's 
trying to work on an arrangement or, or, or something along those lines, they'll, they may get to a point where they're not sure about a riff or a melody or a part in a song. And, and as a result, they're kind of wrestling through it. What do we do here? How do we do this? And, and in that moment, someone would more than likely just pipe up and say, hey, when in doubt, leave it out. And I think that when it comes to your marriage, my marriage, and in our relationships in general, when it comes to our words that we use, when in doubt, leave it out. Your mom might have said to you, hey, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Same thing. When in doubt, leave it out. Again, Solomon speaking to us, this is what he says. He says, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. I take this to heart. I'm like, you can be the wisest room, man in the room or person in the room. Not that you are, but you can sure appear that way. Purely by keeping quiet. And sometimes, guys and ladies, the most loving thing that we can do the most wise thing that we can do for the sake of the relationship is to just keep quiet. Not everything that you think needs to be said. When in doubt, leave it out. So, familiarity is a killer. Words are weapons. But I'd like to just give you one tool that can protect you in both of these moments. And that is the fact that grace is a shield. Grace is a shield, guys and ladies. In reality, grace changes stuff. Grace changes familiarity into, I want to get to know you better. Grace changes words from rocks into building blocks. Grace comes in and changes that familiarity into, you know, I may be misunderstanding you right now. Instead of me just assuming that I know everything there is about you and being familiar in the space, maybe I'm missing something. You know what? I want to get to know you better. To make sure that I'm not, I'm not reading something into this that doesn't exist. That I'm not imposing my own thoughts or my own agendas or whatever. My own insecurities, big one there, onto this. But if I get to know you better, I'll understand your heart better in this moment. And the love between you and me will be strengthened. Grace comes and turns those, those, those rocks into building blocks. You know, a brick, a brick can be a destructive weapon, but it can also be the most beautiful thing to build the most beautiful home with. Today, do you extend grace? Do you receive grace? Because guys and ladies, the thing that shields us in marriage and relationship is grace. Extending grace to each other in really, really tough 
moments when those words have been harsh or there's a feeling of familiarity. Extend grace. At the same time, when grace has been extended, receive it. Receive it. Take it. Take it. Thank you. I need grace right now. I've said stuff. I've behaved in ways. Forgive me. Thank you. I take that grace. But at the same time, I'm willing to extend it. Again, Solomon says this to you and me. He says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love prospers when grace is extended. But dwelling on it separates close friends. You see, guys and ladies, the quickest way to destroy a good marriage is to eliminate grace. If you do not have grace, if you do not extend or receive grace, if, you, if, if grace is not one of the core values in your relationship, it will not last. We need to be very gracious with each other. And we need to receive that grace when it comes our way. Now, you may be sitting there listening to this, thinking to yourself, Ramon, this stuff doesn't come naturally to me. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just not wired that way. I just, you know, it doesn't come naturally to you. And you're right. It doesn't come naturally to you. In fact, it doesn't come naturally to anyone. Because it's an unnatural kind of love. You see, natural love, natural love makes sure, it, 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 it ensures that I'm always on the right end of the scales, that no matter how this goes down, it's going to play in my favor. But unnatural love, unnatural love loves with the other person's best in mind. And I believe that as we love one another, that is the kind of love that we should be showing and extending. When we don't take care of these things that we've spoken about today, when, when, when we're not willing to, to pay attention to familiarity, when we're not willing to pay attention to, to those harsh words, when we're not willing to extend and receive that grace, Something's going to suffer. Something's going to suffer. And you know what ends up suffering? Love. Love suffers. And when love suffers, everyone suffers. Jesus said this about love and about loving each other. He said that just as I have loved you, that's how you are to love one another. And I can only imagine with the people that were following him at the time, sitting there at his feet, listening to this, they could have cast their own minds back to the day that he first came and loved them. They could have sat there and thought to themselves, you know, when no one wanted me, he wanted me. When no one was willing to accept me, he was willing to accept me. When no one was willing to extend grace to me, he extended grace to me. When no one had a kind word to say, to me, he came and spoke life 
into me. Man, that's how he loved me. And that's how I need to love others. The thing is, that days after Jesus said this, he would go to the cross and take that bar and set it so much higher. He would go and demonstrate what kind of love he's really talking about. Where he would go and lay down his life as an act of love. So when he says, love one another the way that I have loved you, that's the love that he's talking about. A sacrificial love, a giving up of ourselves for each other. Years later, the apostle Paul would step into the, the, the picture and he would come and, and, and not create something new, but he would just take what Jesus had just said about love and he would translate it into marriage where, where he would say that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ that we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that we so revere Christ and the way that he's loved us and how he demonstrated that for us, that we should take that and come and translate that into our relationships in the greatest form of love, and that is to submit to one another. And I know it's a curse word today. I know that it's not popular today. But when Jesus talks about us loving each other, that's what he's talking about. That's the sort of love that he wants us to show. Because you see, submission is an act of love. It is not selfish. It is absolutely selfless. And a good marriage is made up of two people who are willing to submit to each other in that relationship. Later on, he would write a letter to the church in Rome where he would say this. He would say, don't just pretend to love others. Don't just pretend. And how easy isn't that for you and for me? We'll have our family together, fight all the way to a visit. As we get there, open the door. Hey, how are you? And have the most plastic moment of all, pretending that we're doing great. Don't just pretend to love one another. No, he carries on. He says, really love them. Really love them. How do I do this? Hate what is wrong and hold tight to what is good. Guys and ladies, hate the familiarity. Hate the harsh words. Hold on to what is good. Hold on to that grace for each other demonstrated it by the way that we love one another. Hate what is wrong. Hold on to what is good. I wonder, where does this land with you today? When you consider all of this, what's your next step? What's your next step? You see, maybe today you look at your life and you, you realize that in your marriage, in your relationship, Familiarity's crept in. Familiarity's crept in and, and it's busy 
killing off this love and this relationship. In some cases slowly and in other cases pretty quickly. But you recognize it. And you recognize that today, instead of familiarity, you need to take on this grace. You need to allow God's grace to come and change that familiarity into, I want to know you better. I realize I don't know it all. I want to know you better. I want to get to know your heart on these issues that I'm not superimposing my own insecurities into what I think you're thinking. No, I want to get to know you better. Maybe today you look at your relationship and you realize that your words have been sharper than a two-edged sword, (laughs) that they have caused massive damage for a long time. And you realize that if it continues this way, There's not going to be anything left, not even to fight over, but to fight for. My heart for you is that today you would recognize, let's do away with the harsh words. Let's bring in grace instead. And let's take those, those weaponous rocks and turn them into building blocks. Use our words to create an environment that speaks into health and growth for our relationship, our marriage, and our family. And as we do this today, for us to recognize that if you call yourself a Christ follower, that as Christ followers, Christ following marriages are not set by some code of conduct. No, it's set by something far greater. It's set by love and in particular the Jesus kind of love the lay my life down for you kind of love let's pray Father God we thank you Lord that as challenging as this may be to any of us that in you this is not impossible Lord that as we just daily Come and take what we've spoken through here today. Lord, and allow your love to come and be one of those core values that governs our lives. That in those moments where familiarity wants to creep in, that we will allow your grace and your love to step in. That where we want to retaliate or, or as in the words of Mr. Wallace, pick a fight with our words, that we will allow your grace and your love to come and step in and to come and govern the way that we move forward, direct the way that we move forward, that we will love each other the way that you, through Jesus, loved us. That we would submit to one another, be sacrificial in our love, and love with the other person's best in mind. Forgive us for our familiarity. Forgive us for our harsh words. Holy Spirit, come and remind us of your grace on our lives so that we can show your grace 
through our lives. We love you. These lives are yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. We look forward to seeing you again next week. If you enjoyed this session and you'd like to know more about us, then please come and connect with us through our website, our social media platforms, and come subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are listed below. Beyond that, we trust that you have an incredible week.